This following incantation should not be listened to by children. If you are one, I would leave. The chanting expressed here does not reflect the views of the witch's employers. Now, double, double, feature and trouble. Two dudes burn and cauldron bubble. Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and, well, as you know, that's that's kind of all we do. I am Dude One, Richard. Dude Two, Joe. So, Dude Two, how art thou? I thought I'd change it up a little bit. How art thou, Dude Two? Ice. Iced, um, I don't know what I was doing with that. No, um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, what have I been watching this week? You know, because all we, t- we talk about just movies on here. Uh, well, we, well, I've been watching football, which I have mixed feelings on that operating right now. No, I understand that. I, I wish there was more maybe of like a bubble type situation, like what the NBA had, you know, in, in Florida, mm. where it's just like everybody plays there. On the other hand, like it's like a bit of a selfish thing. But it's like it's nice to have like one bit of like normalcy, I guess. Obviously, you see like coaches and like other staff wearing masks and stuff. Um, yeah, I think recently too, one, there was a player who is currently playing because they were allowing players to opt out mm. because of COVID. Um, there was one player, I believe, who just tested positive. So, Ooh. you know, just hoping, uh, hoping he comes out of that on the other side. Okay, you know. Outside of the realm of sports, I've been watching the Pink Panther movies because I got the Shout Factory Blu-ray set, and I watched the Pink Panther, and I watched um, uh, Shot in the Dark. And the first one, it was interesting because it, it's clearly like a a, a mis like a mis quote unquote like mystery comedy or whatever. Right. But I felt like it was it was less of, less of the comedy than I was expecting. I think part of that is because, you know, I know you and I are familiar with, like, this the Steve Martin mm-hmm. Pink Panther yeah. movies, where I think you and I can agree where they feel more like outright comedies. Not saying they're good. They're just they're just 100% comedy. And then Shot in the Dark, like, I know people liked. I, I just wasn't into. I just couldn't get into it. I tried to watch it a couple times, and I was just like, whatever. But I'm, I'm hopeful with some of the other installments in the set. And then I also watched uh, Mask of the Red Death. 
with Vincent Price. Um, definitely not a movie I would recommend watching right now. No. Classic movie, <laughs> Roger Corman. Though there is a nice little there is a nice little connection to one of our um one of our double features uh, with that movie, but I'll mention that later. Um, Vincent Price is of course fantastic. Just really really a treat in and just about anything he's in. I mean, I just think about like all the different things he's done like you know, I know you watched Great Mouse Detective not that long ago, mm. and I love him in uh, the Thie- the Thief and the Cobbler, and I love him in um, the Ten Commandments. He has like a little role in that. So uh, just anything with Vincent Price, I mean, he's always good. Edward Scissorhands, a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, I know. I know. I've constantly mentioned Tim Burton movies in my ever going quest of incorporating his older, better work into this show, but you know. Got to throw that in there a little bit. Ever scissor hands, um, but on that note though, how crazy is it? Like and and, and not like in a good way, but how crazy? Because you were talking about football, um, but how crazy is it that it's almost uh, the holidays? We're pretty much in the thick of fall, and we're still in this stupid pandemic. It's it's insane to think about. Honestly, like that's all I've been thinking about the ha- the last few days. It's just like wow, it's almost Halloween, and yet. The world, especially America, sucks so much right now. Please, just wear a mask, social distance, don't do anything stupid. That's all I ask. Think about your think about your actions and how they actually do genuinely affect other people right now. It's frustrating, honestly. No, I, I, I'm with you right there, there, dude. It, it's it is just kind of crazy that like this year, like Halloween's gonna look very different than. Any other Halloween. The the only passable costume for Halloween is a hazmat suit. As aside from our concerns with the world right now, how are you doing? You know, I've said this before, it varies from day to day, but right now right now I'm fine. Right now I, I'm not like mm-hmm. upset about anything, um, per se. I'm not like I'm still pretty exhausted from everything. Um also just constantly blowing my nose. <laughs> you know, just being being in like my house most of the time you know i need i need to dust more often admittedly me too me too but other than that right now i can say (laughs) right now i can say i am i'm actually fine which is nice Mm -hmm. i've uh, as far as stuff that i've watched you said uh you said i've watched like great mouse detective i was trying to watch some old um disney movies a while ago that i hadn't seen before like that or um the black cauldron but uh one big one in this continuing saga of watching the lord of the rings throughout these uh last few episodes i finally finished the original trilogy both the uh theatrical and the extended cut i can say the extended cut is better i think and along with that even though it was pretty much against your wishes I decided to watch The Hobbit. <laughs> listen, I listen. You should know by now. Anytime you tell me to to not do something, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you should try reverse psychology or something. Well, you know, in fairness, I guess there are worse things you could watch than The Hobbit. But my opinions aside, what 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 are what were your ultimate takeaways from The Hobbit? Amongst all the big franchise prequels that I've seen, it has to be the worst. There's no reason, outside of banking on people's love for the original trilogy, there's no reason 
that 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 those movies feel like they exist. I mean, there's some things that are worth praising, like Martin Freeman is just great casting, and um, I mean, I'll always love Ian McKellen as Gandalf. I I liked him in the old movies. I like him in this movie, but there's no passion. There's no uh, drive. There's nothing there that that it just feels lifeless for for being a movie about adventure and being full of life and doing crazy things and and having a blast like the movies just don't feel like they're they don't they don't give anything worth note it's not like um even in uh the case of like star wars or even um and i hate to say this right now but like harry potter um even those prequel films have at least one movie that i enjoy whereas i didn't like any of the hobbits like none of them which is kind of sad and I, I would also say too, like we talked about, we talked about the Star Wars prequels, and I think you and I both pretty much agree that outside of maybe Revenge of the Sith, they're not, they're not, they're really not good movies. No. But I would say with with the Star Wars prequels, at least George, I, I guess in some way wanted to make them, whereas Peter Jackson was kind of in a position where he really didn't want to. And I know you've been, you were watching these, but. Folks, if you haven't watched like um, Lindsay Ellis's videos on The Hobbit, definitely check those out. It's a really nice deep dive into uh, that film's production and how it really contrasts with um, with Lord of the Rings. I, I sh- admittedly I should have listened to you, but of course I'm I'm glad that I got I, I'm glad to have the experience on my own, so I know firsthand. So don't watch The Hobbit. I mean, watch watch what you want, but if you're if you're if you want to take some advice, don't watch The Hobbit. It's not worth it. It's just not. No, but yeah, The Hobbit. It, it, I saw all of them in theaters. Not I'm great. Sorry. But <laughs> I'm so but, sorry. Uh, I was gonna say I did want to bring this up before we uh, went went into these uh, two movies. Uh, shout out to my girlfriend Allison for you know kind of mentioning me. I she was like, I can't believe you guys didn't mention Pat Carroll. In your Totoro episode, Pat Carroll mm. voiced the grandma lady in uh, in Totoro, and she also voiced uh, Ursula in the Disney classic The Little Mermaid. So we just wanted to bring that up. She was great in both of those things. Shout out to Pat Carroll and uh, my girlfriend Allison. You are the best boyfriend ever. Just to like, just to like randomly mention that, like that's just points right there, man. Nailed it. <laughs> i mean it's it, it it is it's i'm not saying it's a bad thing i'm just i just like it's kind of funny but like it's it's points i think points for sure for sure anyway so oh god sorry th- i just wanted i wanted to bring this up because this literally connects with our first film the film was uh was produced the uh, mask of the red death that i was mentioning before was produced and directed by roger corman the cinematography. Do you know who did the cinematography for this movie? Let, let me hear it. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you. It was the director of our first movie today, Nicholas Rogue. Fun thing about this first episode is this is kind of a mini-series, like a mini-series uh, within our show that we're doing for the entirety of October because one of the, like, right now, 2020 Halloween is going to, like, as we were saying, is going to look so different. Um, and it's, it's, we're going to try to make it as fun as possible, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to feel anywhere near as great or as, 
um, awesome as, you know, putting on a costume and going to parties or going to get candy or whatever. But if there's one thing that is an absolute staple that we can still do um, for Halloween and celebrating Halloween, that is watching movies. So for the entirety of this month, for the rest of season two, Joey and I are going to be doing double features that are all scary Halloween type movies. It's going to be incredibly exciting, and it'll lead to our season finale, which we'll talk about. Um, uh, maybe, maybe not like a staple in Halloween movies, but one that I think should be watched uh, every year, just in general. And for this first episode, we're going to start off with two absolute classics. And the very first film, as you said, uh, with with its connection to uh, Masquerade of the Red Death, is uh, the 1990 Roald Dahl adaptation the witches joey stop that scares me but is it as is it as scary as angelica houston's good looks about it's up there wow (laughs) i'm easily scared (laughs) i just want to say this was like a last minute change with this double feature and honestly i'm so glad that we made this change to talk about these two movies today. Uh, the Witches. Um, who's director of this movie again? We were, we were just saying, did we just say his name? Uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Rogue. I've seen a few of his, um, his other movies. I've seen uh, Walkabout and I've seen, uh, I believe, Insignificance, both of which are in the uh, Criterion Collection. And it is, it's... You know, from my experience, like, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. You've seen this movie more recently than I have, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. I was going to say, this movie is, like, um, uh, one of those movies that, like, I used to watch, like, all the time when I was a little, little guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a a movie that had images and, 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 and moments in it that haunted me when I was a kid. Like, like, to no end. And, um, it became, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a favorite in my, in my like youth and even now. Yeah. And so for me, it was, it was something I I watched like once as a kid. And I remember seeing like the clips from it all the time, you know, really creeped me out quite a bit when it came to revisiting this one. It was really, it was really interesting because we had those different perspectives, um, on the movie, but going back to the director, You know, when you have, like, a 90s movie, like, this is, like, I don't want to call it a kid's movie, but when you have, like, something that, like, is deemed, like, family entertainment, you usually don't need to go this hard as far as, like, a director choice, not to sound, like, insulting to directors, (laughs) but, like, that was, I think, the biggest thing for me with this movie was this could have easily just been given to any sort of um, run-of-the-mill director or anybody and it probably would have still been memorable on some level but i think because obviously the you know the jim henson's like some of the puppetry and this is is of course memorable but the way this movie is shot the way it looks you know it 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 is so off-putting and it just it, it, it gives it this very strange feeling where you know it's supposed to be like a quote-unquote family movie but it feels it feels more like a weird like art house movie in certain uh, in certain sequences. A little bit, yeah. Like if if an art house director made something that was very <laughs> made something like like a, like a kids horror movie, and, and um, but like 
it's funny too because like the only other movie that i can think of as far as like horror movie with nicholas rogue was he made don't look now Mm. which is like a honestly if you haven't seen don't look now it's a classic it's it's a classic movie of like with just twists and turns and donald sutherland with an afro (laughs) and it has an incredible use of like foreshadow like a like like a technique that even edgar wright has lauded and has said uh he deliberately incorporates into his own films like we watch his movies and like he'll spoil the entire movie and in one bit of dialogue and it's you know that's like it's it's people like that you know who put that little bit of extra work that just deserve the praise and nicholas rogue's definitely one of those guys and like you're saying yeah the way this movie shot there's dude the wide angle lenses in this movie are outstanding and anytime they're they're utilized especially on the witches and like something creepy is happening and you're seeing them like giggle with like their boils and and like rotting teeth and glowing purple eyes like it's intense and scary as all hell yeah i think if i had a nickel every time you said wide angle lens i'd have i'd have a quarter (laughs) (laughs) you'd at least have a quarter yeah because you mentioned it you mentioned it quite a bit um yeah and and i think one of the other things with this with this movie too you know we uh we sort of have to mention because jim henson was a producer on this movie. That's the other, like one of the other like memorable things is like the puppet, the puppetry work in this movie. So the, for those of you who don't know, like the story of the witches, you have these witches and they, they're, they, they have this plan to like turn all the children of the world into mice, basically. Like basically eradicate the kids of the world by turning them into mice. Yeah, pretty much. The way the way this is done, I, I almost like I, I I I wanted to say this when we were watching it. I wanted to call it "Baby's First Body Horror." <laughs> the way, like when you see that first, tra- like that, especially that first initial like transformation uh, of the one um, of the one Bruno. Bruno, it, it is like horrifying to look at, especially for you know something that is a family film. And it, when he, you like see him like sweating, the way his skin like turn like changes, and his head just like looks like is like so, just like you have to see it to know what I'm talking about. But it, it's so wild. And he's like doing that like jittery shake that's like sped up, yeah. in the editing. And then um, even just like the one shot of the of the puppet, like of the kid's head like bouncing out of his body, like stretched cartoonishly. Um, to look like he's turning it like it's so it's so cartoony but it's also so horrifying it made me it makes me think of like um what's his uh christopher lloyd as like the the villain in um who framed roger rabbit with like the eyes Mm -hmm. you know so cartoonish but yet so terrifying and oh my god like this just this there's so many like i was saying there's so many scenes in this movie that just haunt me as far as just imagery um like when uh the kids turn into the mice um, when the witches, uh, like, reveal themselves. Oh, yeah. Like, because, like, there's, like, a whole lore about the witches in this movie. So, like, like they give you, like, details as to, like, how the witches are. So, like, for one, they uh, they have basically have clubbed feet, no toes. So, like, they don't wear pointed shoes. Um, they all don't grow hair because their heads, like, got boils and, and rashes and whatnot on it. So, they wear wigs. Uh, their eyes glow purple. 
Like they're they're essentially rotting away. Like they're genuinely horrifying witches, which is so weird to th- which is well, it's not weird. It's like pretty pretty much like in sync with a lot of those like typical things of witches, like them being like incredibly ugly and scary, but then like actually being like disguising themselves as beautiful. And you know, as you're as you were saying, uh, who's more beautiful than Angelica Houston? Really, I mean, poise elegance um the way she holds a spoon in this movie even like like hot damn no wonder she end up as morticia in the adams family movies oh she's so good she's so good in in this and of course in the adams family movies which maybe we'll talk about that in at some point in the future but she is like there's like three elements like there's a direction there's the puppetry and then there's angelica houston like those are the big three for this movie. Oh, yeah. And her performance as, like, was she, like, the Grand Witch or the Elder Witch or whatever? The Grand, yeah. The the, the Grand High Witch. Grand High Witch, thank you. Um, she is just so, like, deliciously over the top, you know. When she doesn't want to talk to somebody, like, the faces that she, that she makes to try to get out of that situation, you know, is hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And just the German accent. It just adds like a level of just like like sinisterness a little bit, but like elegance. Absolutely, for sure. Um, and even even like the other witch character, like the other witches that are in this movie, um, like they don't all get names or whatever, but like they're they're so deliciously over the top too, and they're they're just like eating up the seat, like they're just having a ball being this evil. You know, you really you truly believe that that this is really what they love to do is like plot the deaths of children like you got to imagine like that amongst like if you think of all like the movie villains just to have one that is not just evil but like is having a blast being evil like that says something that's just scary (laughs) like like good lord oh but you know what i was thinking about too um you know and of course why is his name escaping me who wrote the book um raul dahl raul dahl a roll i i can never pronounce it yeah, we're all doll. that's why that's my biggest issue. Like, with, with dolls, like doll wrote the the book. <laughs> doll wrote wrote the book the book for you know, of of this. Um, and then they adapted into this movie, and it actually makes me think of a previous doll adaptation, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, because it when you look at the first good chunk of that movie, everything feels almost too ordinary. You know, like, when you look at, like, the real world, everything just feels like, everything feels like that is the real world. Like, like these cartoonishly over-the-top things can't happen. And then you get to the, um, when they, when you get to the more outlandish things, it's like, you have a brighter color palette and you have these other things going on. You know, this kind of make me think of each other. Like, when you look at their houses in this, in this movie, it, it looks like a real, you know, I'm sure it's probably some of it's like a real place, but like it looks like a real, real place, you know. Um, so I think it adds to that, like to I, I, I hate to say real, realism, but it, ma- it makes you almost believe in it more to see them in like a world that looks just pretty ordinary, you know. If you look at a lot of movies that are based on his books, like Matilda, this Willy Wonka. You know, there, there's a sense of realism to them. The only ones I would say that that have a more of a fantasy aspect to them are probably the ones Tim Burton was involved in, whether it was his adaptation of Charlie or 
the one he produced with Henry Selleck, uh, James and the Giant Peach, mm-hmm. yeah, which have a more kind of style to them. But like, but no, you're right. Like those movies, even like the BFG, which um, Steven Spielberg did a couple years ago, like even that movie, um, while it is more atmospheric, has a sense of re- realism to it. Until like we get to the more like outlandish elements to it. No, abs- absolutely. And the other thing with this movie too is that like with with the the puppetry work, it helps it helps make things more believable because you know you can like touch like the puppet and like especially when you see like some of the other transformation sequences like towards the end of the movie where the one puppet looks like a Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. And you're just like wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, you got it. We got to give like a lot of love to Jim Henson because, I mean, obviously Nicholas Rogue did such an amazing job directing this, and you know, there's no questioning that. But like Jim Henson, I mean, granted, like I feel like Jim Henson's name gets mentioned first with this particular project. A lot of it because of his like puppetry work, and um, not even just like the more outlandish stuff, but even just like when the kids are mice. Yes. And, you know, when we when when they have like those dialogue scenes and even like close ups, like the puppetry work on those is incredible. Like it's it holds up so well, incredibly well detailed, you know, it, it, and I would almost argue too that like the kids like performances when they're mice, they're better when they're this voice acting as as mice. And I'm like, you know, because you because they, they do just legit feel like kids that are just turned into mice. What would kids do if they were they were turned into mice? They were so they were so optimistic and so accepting of the fact that they were mice too. <laughs> like, just like like oh you know you know we got to just steer clear of cats now. Like oh we got three cats at home. Oh they gotta go. <laughs> I, I love the one one kid uh, Bruno. You know he he's like the typical like typical like fat kid loves food. And he go, goes to his parents, and, and just goes like, "Well, you guys wanted me to lose weight for a while. Well, look at me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, mom. It's me, Bruno. It's Bruno. <laughs> it's a oh me. Oh my god! But it's a me, Bruno. Or even just um the one kid, Luke. Who listen? Just a side note. As far as the actors in this movie, I mean, the o- there's only two that I actually know, which is Angelica Houston and Rowan Atkinson. Everybody else, I'm like, I don't know who this person is, but Luke, I'm like, I recognize him. He's you're you're one of the Lost Boys in Hook. Other than that, I don't know anything else. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just want to, as far as people that we recognize, as far as people that we recognize, I recognize Jim Carter. He played the head chef in this, and he would go on to be one of the main, uh, looks like one of the main people in Downton Abbey. And uh, just as a little side note, he played the villain Palomales uh, from the like the 90, 1990s New World Zorro television series. He got like two appearances on that show as like probably one of the more intimidating villains. He and like and so it's so funny to see him in this movie where he's just like ah mice mice in my pants <laughs> mice in my pants while he's still stirring the dish like he's still mixing. He's like ah mice. But no, just the optimism I love in the kids as they're mice. Like I love when Luke um, is like in that contraption in their in in their house where he's like on a Lego little train cart. And he's like, "How long do mice live? I just want to make sure we have enough time to take out more witches." <laughs> so, <laughs> just, like he doesn't. He's not even faced by the fact that mice like die a lot sooner than human beings 
or like the possibility of him not living as long. He's just like, I just want to make sure we got time. Like, <laughs> like I would be freaking out. I'd be like, Oh God, I'm going to die sooner. <laughs> no, you know what I was thinking about too, was that they really stretch like the, how long he's a, he, he's a mouse because it, it, it's, I think, I feel like it's just like, they, they don't like they, it, he turns back into human spoiler alert. Sorry, but it's a family movie. You probably would have. Dang it, Joey. I didn't know that. <laughs> but he <laughs> he changes back and it's like, oh, and then that now it's basically the credits. Like, it, it's actually kind of crazy how long you would think there would be like, oh, he changes back. And then there's like a few minutes to like, well, now we just got to do this. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It's not exactly like that. <laughs> no, it's it's done. We're good. Like, he, he does offhandedly mention, like, you know, don't forget Bruno, but we never see Bruno turn back, so he could still be a mouse to this day. She probably is like, oh, I hate that fat kid, uh, the, the the witch or whatever that that turns him back. Just be like, it's like, nah, fam, <laughs> I only wanted to, I only wanted to help you. He ate, he ate my cakes with the raisins in them. <laughs> but it actually makes me think of, like, like a, like a, like a principal with, like, children's movies and it, it says, like, look, a kid can handle just about anything as long as there's a happy ending. And there's a lot of wild stuff that happens yeah. in witches. Like, you hear about children getting trapped in paintings. You see kids, like, transforming and looking like, you know, fart gas for a brief period of time. Looking like they're real sick and they become mice. <laughs> it's just, and then you see, like, the witches, how ugly they look. And it's like, but everything turned out okay at the end. So the kids... Um, hypothetically, should be okay watching this. Hy- hypothetically, should be okay. Um, but I, th- I think there's at least one more thing that we have to mention. I know I just kind of said it earlier, but Rowan Atkinson. Oh my gosh. The, the hotel manager. Yes. <laughs> Freaking Mr. Bean as this like gross, well not gross, but like grossed out, I guess. Constantly like, uh, being, oh my God, he's so great. Just constantly being like against um, everybody, and just always looking mad or always looking pissed. Just it's so funny. His facial expressions are are priceless in the movie, and uh, he he it, it, again he's one of the other like acting elements that I would definitely uh, really give praise to outside of Angelica Houston. He was he was quite amusing in this movie. He totally was. Um, some of my favorite, some of my favorite bits, and just involve him. Like I love. Um, well, this is no. I don't want to say because I don't want to spoil too much of the movie. But there's um, uh, my favorite bit is him at the end. Like, just <laughs> you'll have to see it for yourself. Yeah. But he, <laughs> it's it's wild. <laughs> it's so wild. But any you know anytime he shows up and like makes his face. It's, it's absolutely, like, fantastic. Yeah, no, this movie... Like I said, this movie was a movie that I used to watch uh, when I was a kid, but it was a movie that did scare me with, like, a lot of the imagery. Now I watch it with, like, such fondness from just how... Like, not even not even from, like, an, an incredibly, like, nostalgic point of view, but also just I still like the movie. Yeah, that was... I st- like I still get enjoyment out of it. Yeah, that was one thing I was like really impressed by because I figured like the puppetry would be great and it, it would be at least really good. But like it's amazing to me. Like I was actually really digging the movie. I I was really like engaged 
with a lot more of it than I was expecting. And I think a lot of that is uh, Nicholas Rogue's direction of the material. Because I feel like another just director, you know, who's just, you know, trying to do his job or whatever, would probably handle the material just just a bit differently. You know, just a bit differently. And yeah. I think that, that, that edge that he has just really... I, I hate to say keep saying the word difference. It really does ma- just make a difference, um, I guess. And that leads me it really does. that leads me to talk about the fact that this is getting a another version of it, another adaptation of the witches will be happening at some point. Mm-hmm. I believe they. I think they filmed most of it because they started filming like 19, 2019, Okay, from what I've read, and. I think they're planning on a release at some point next year. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. If depending on how things are, but um, as of now, I know that next year is going to be the release. But it's going to be directed by Robert Zemeckis. So I hope it's not animated. Robert, you, are you hearing me, Robert Zemeckis? Don't animate it. Anyway, um, it's going to star Anne Hathaway. Octavia Spencer, Stanley Tucci. Um, I think Guillermo del Toro is actually involved as a as a co-writer and a producer with Alfonso Cuaron. There's some there's some pretty like great people attached to it. So I mean, it could be great. It I don't know. I'm ex- I'm excited to see it. But um, if I'm being honest, as far as like um, the original is concerned, um, if I look at a lot of um, a raw a Roald Dahl uh, adaptations. Like, you know, people constantly talk about Willy Wonka or they constantly talk about Matilda. Like, 90s kids love Matilda. I think The Witches, unfortunately, kind of gets um, pushed by, pushed to the side a little bit because I genuinely think it's one of the better, if not one of the best ones, as far as, like, adaptations of his work. And as, as we were saying, it still holds up pretty freaking well. And... Uh, I'm glad we watched it, honestly. Yeah, me, me too. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, no, I this was uh, this was a delight to um, uh, to check out, and I mean, when I say delight, I mean as far as like, you know, it's as delightful as you can expect a movie with like heads popping around and weird mice <laughs> people and, and all that can be with the movie. But I was gonna say, I also f- kind of figured um, when watching this, there would be a bit of an edge on this movie's part because of the Jim Henson involvement. Because I know you really like Jim Henson, so I was like, "This, come on, he's got to at least like that part." <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, like, like it's technically technically impressive. I think it's it's a well put, it's a well enough put together movie, and the the direction I think is top notch with a stellar villain performance by angelica houston when she pushes like the the baby when, when they're when they're <laughs> push the baby card <laughs> i'm like oh no and then she just goes <laughs> but the way it's it shot a little giggle at the end the way it's shot though it, it doesn't look like a typical movie where it's just like it's like bright skies or, or like what it just it looks so just like stark and real that i'm like i was genuinely concerned for the baby's safety for like a half second right Oh my god, that's like that's like a classic. Honestly, that's like a classic. Um, because isn't isn't that what in Battleship Potemkin isn't isn't there like a scene like that where like there's like a carriage? Am I am I thinking of the right movie? You're thinking of the exact movie. Yep, nineteen uh, nineteen twenty four, Sergei Eisenstein. You know, with with the with the uh, was it Odessa steps or whatever whatever the hell it's called, and the the carriage gets gets pushed down those steps. But uh, references to uh, Soviet cinema aside. 
we are going to take our broomsticks, get away for a little bit, and when we return, we are going to cast a spell on this podcast. Stay tuned. <laughs> Whose idea was it to come here right now? I mean, and do you not have any umbrellas anywhere? Well, I've got at least seven in my car, but that's barely enough for me. Besides, Uncle Thaddeus DeAngelis didn't leave me umbrellas in his will. He left me this big old cathedral. Why didn't you bring your hoodie? I didn't think it was going to rain. That's why I didn't bring a hoodie, you dum-dum. Well, we could just wait in the car. Your car smells like kale chips. You ever had those? I don't recommend them. Well, at least it's not creepy out here. Ah! Jeez, my ears. It's just Nosferatu. He's got a weird laugh. Let's get out! Whoa, dude! Don't run into that open field! You'll get struck by lightning! Yep. See what I tell you? Come on back here. God! I hate... I hate lightning. I hate... God, I hate it. Look, we can go inside and wait till it stops raining. Okay. Alright, fine. Just... I just wanna... I don't wanna be outside. Just go... Knock... Knock on the door! Seriously, knock on it. Hello? Hello? Anyone here? Anybody home? Hello? Ah, oh, web. Mm. Mm. I thought there wasn't a spider there. Is there anyone in the house? I would like to speak to the owner of this house. Do. I'm the owner. You know, I never understood the suit of armor thing. Why, why, why do all these places have like a suit of armor? This is what's funny going on. It's a great day to have a golfing huh? <laughs> Oh, look, a music box. Wind it up. Turn it off. Where's that music coming leave right now. Okay. And we're back. That was horrible. I'm sorry. I tried to make it creepy. I was, oh my god. I'm so ashamed of myself. 
No words. No words. You'll have to make it twinkly or something. Just enhance it in the edit. <laughs> just, like, make uh, it better. You know what? I might just take you up on that. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, sorry. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Now, in our last segment, we talked about The Witches, which is um, one of my personal favorites. Um, now, we are going to be talking about literally a cultural phenomenon. Like, one of the biggest... 90s cultural phenomenons of pretty much any like movie and cinema honestly especially when it comes to halloween and especially when it comes to 90s kids and especially when it comes to disney ladies and gentlemen of course we had to talk about this movie especially if we're talking about witches we're talking about the 1993 kenny ortega directed film hocus pocus <laughs> Joey, stop it! I told you last time! I, I thought the little giggle would make it less scary, because this movie is less scary than the other movie we're talking about. <laughs> but you're always scary. Then why did you do a podcast with me? You know how it makes me feel? How you're just looking at me and you're... I like being scared. You're just, you're just looking at me every episode. You're just waiting. Oh, man, when is the moment where I'm going to pee my pants because Joey is so freaking scary? Listen, you don't understand. I have a catheter. <laughs> it's all uh, about uh, TMI. That's TMI. <laughs> all right. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Sorry. I know. So anyway, Hocus Pocus. Yeah. So this is uh, this is a big deal, like movie. Like back when it when it came out, you know, it made more than its budget in its initial release, but it wasn't like a huge hit. And that I kind of go back to witches, by the way. Witches was uh, was considered a disappointment, but we'll get to that more of that stuff later. But this movie, like in re- especially in like the last ten years, has become such a um, it's it's almost like we were talking about the Rocketeer. Like this, arguably, this might be like Disney's biggest like cult movie in a lot of ways. To the point where it sort of seeped into the into the mainstream. Because I just see, I probably see Hocus Pocus memes like at least once a week on like the Disney pages that I follow. It's become such a huge thing as far as their merchandising and some of the other um, avenues of Disney's business. Hocus Pocus is a big deal for them like i was reading a statistic that every like uh, just about on average like every halloween since it came out in dvd it's gross like a million dollars in dvd sales alone or uh, you know i don't know if it was like that's like the continuous stretch but like for something i I think one of the things with this movie is like we talk like with christmas okay Christmas movies are a dime a dozen, especially classic Christmas movies. You got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, Mm. 84 flavors of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. You know, you got all that stuff. All the Christmas carols. (laughs) uh, The whole shebang. But Halloween, like, there's horror movies, but there's not too many, like, like classic, quote-unquote, Halloween movies. There's not. You know, like, really, like, Halloween movies. There's not really. There's, like... Like, like, if I had to name two that I could think of, like, there's Trick or Treat, which is a staple uh, Halloween movie that everybody should watch. I would count Halloween, even though it's not really about Halloween, it's just set during Halloween, and it's called Halloween. But other than that, no, you're absolutely right. Like, 
there's so many movies that save for being set during Halloween um, or, you know, having some kind of Halloween connection. There's not really a lot of movies that are very much like about Halloween. Especially we're talking about like family movies because you mentioned Halloween and Trick or Treat and like I, I enjoy both of those. Yeah, those are R-rated movies, so definitely not for kids. Though, with both of these movies, like, they might be, depending on your kids, it might be a little too much in certain instances. Like, the previous movie, I think, is a more genuinely scary movie. This one, I, especially because it's a Disney movie, they, they say hell a number of times, which I know isn't, like, technically a curse, but, like, it's still a word where if you said it on the playground, somebody would yell at you. And they say virgin. For being a virgin is a huge part of the plot of this movie. And it's very... Like, the movie, I feel like, is in a weird way, is cruder yeah. than uh, The Witches. Because you have, like, uh, the Sarah Jessica Parker witch. And she always just seems like she's like, ooh! <laughs> like, like, she's ready to have a good time with the bus driver. Like, she's... Oh, man. She's... She's horny. Okay? She's, like, if just... Plain and simple, she's absolutely horny, this entire movie. There's like you're saying, like with the bus driver, there's that whole scene where she like they're they're riding on the bus to find children and she's sitting on his lap and like the whole time she's driving, she's hopping. Yeah. Like she's bouncing. And then right when the bus like abruptly stops, the bus driver goes, <laughs> So I mean, if there's an innuendo for anything in this movie, <laughs> or any movie that's that has a that is a clear clear innuendo right there like there's no question oh absolutely uh absolutely for sure um you know and, and also like you know in this movie like the previous movie just two little boys right two little boys there's no they have no romantic interest whereas this movie you have like a teenager he does have a romantic interest so it's like some of that stuff com comes up you know uh but yeah, with this with this movie, it, it it's definitely like a different. It's a different flavor on like the like the, the theme of witches. Basically, the movie is um, it's set in Salem, Massachusetts. So this like it's all about witches from the get go. And our main three characters, the most iconic element of this movie, in all honesty, is the Sanderson sisters, Bette Midler, um, who plays Winifred, um, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker who plays, uh, pretty much, doesn't she just play Sarah, I believe? <laughs> like, she's the only yeah, one that just yeah. has her own name. <laughs> and then um, Kathy, and, Kathy, Kathy and Jimmy, who doesn't get enough credit in this movie, by the way. Kathy and Jimmy is amazing, and uh, she's also Peggy Hill on King of the Hill, so that's, like, you know, I have some bias there. Um, oh, yeah! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but uh, she plays Mary. And their whole goal, similar to um, Angelica Houston and the Witches, um, their whole goal is to basically destroy children, but in this movie, for very selfish reasons, in that they're trying to suck the life out of them so they can stay young forever and not age or get old or anything. So they brew a potion, um, and they try to lure children by singing, um, which, you know, you have Bette Midler, so of course you're going to incorporate those incredible vocals um and uh unfortunately while they do succeed to some degree their their plan fails and they get hung but not until they put a curse on the town of salem that um at some point in the future on halloween night uh, a virgin will light the black flame candle and bring them back to life for one night so that they can 
exact their revenge and just and steal the lives and souls of all the children in salem um so jump to good old 1993 which listen 1993 is an incredibly important factor to this movie (laughs) because this movie is the most 90s of 90s movies outside of maybe good burger (laughs) or any other like kids movie i could think of like this movie is so 90s why didn't we do a double feature of good burger that's my big question maybe because i just don't i I just don't want to talk about dan schneider that's probably why uh moving on from from that though like all the 90s things like the the bullies in this movie are so 90s with with their haircuts the clothes that they're wearing the one guy has ice shaved into it into his into his head basically he doesn't want to be called Ernie. His name is Ice. And like the clothes, the clothes the kids wearing, the 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 hair, the haircuts. You know, some of the even the co- costumes in this movie, because obviously this is a Disney movie. So you see somebody is like Mrs. Potts. There's a Sonic the Hedgehog costume roaming around. Madonna. Madonna. Yeah. Uh, there, there's so many like the terminal, the terminology that they use. Tubular. Oh my gosh. They, I, somebody said. Uh, she says do. Um, Bette Midler says dude at one point. <laughs> Which is great. Just Bette Midler saying dude in general is fantastic. Again, no, you're right. The terminology in this movie and the look and feel of everything. Like, yes, this movie was made in 1993, but you watch it now. Because, uh, you know, movies are a time capsule. So you watch it now and you're like, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this movie is is like in, intensely. I, th- I think you were saying this movie is like, what were you, like, what were you saying about it? Like. This movie is my 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 term is aggressively nineties. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> You're absolutely a hundred percent. Which which is stark contrast to the previous movie, where I would say outside of maybe the kids, everything else has a more like timeless quality about the witches. I I would argue. Whereas this is just like yep. If you had if you didn't know when this movie was made, you probably would just guess the nineties. You were just like so. Which was like 1993, 94. You, you, wow, yeah. How'd you know? Well, you know, just knew. <laughs> <laughs> this movie. I mean, we were, we were kind of alluding to them before, but like, really, the the main the main reason to really remember this movie is like the three witches them, themselves. Like, they are the Sanderson the, the Sanderson sisters. They are the anchor of this movie and just seeing them like interact with the modern world, seeing them just be deliciously evil is so much fun. I mean, they're all, they are all perfectly cast as their roles. Honestly, like Bette Midler is perfect. So good. So good. Just Bette, like you're saying, yeah, Bette Midler's perfect. Um, I think, didn't we say that like, she's the, the better half of Palpatine <laughs> because of the lightning she shoots out of her hands. That's Ray's grandma. That would totally like that. Listen, if that is the if if we can make that the truth, then I'm perfectly fine with the ending of Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> um, what's called? But we mentioned Sarah Jessica Parker. To me, she steals the show. I think she's like she is just so funny in this movie, and I think it might be her. I would argue, might be her best performance in just anything. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, argue against that. Like she like. No one, I've I said this the entire time, no one has more fun in this movie than Sarah Jessica Parker. Just, like, her constant smiling and giggling and, like, hanging off things, fu- eating spiders, like, finding rat tails. 
literally being horny the entire what time. What a pretty spider. <laughs> what a pretty spider. <laughs> Just eating it. <laughs> or like um uh what do I one of my favorite one of my favorite little bits is uh they're going to this party where like all the parents, the adults are like it's like big dance party in the city hall or something. And um they're trying to find the kids because the kids are going to like find their parents to warn them. And uh uh Winifred sends Mary and Sarah out to find the kids and uh, Sarah just completely forgets it because she's making out with some, some random guy at the party. <laughs> and then she's like, did you find them? She's like, find who? <gasps> oh my gosh. It's, but it's, uh, that that so is good. great. Oh. It's honestly... It, it, it's Yeah, and you know what? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, it honestly... Um, like I was saying earlier, like, there's a real Three Stooges vibe to it a little bit. Like, they're not carbon copies of, like, Curly, Moe, and Larry, but they have that kind of, like, they're smacking, like, Winifred's hitting them all the time, and, like, uh, you know, they have that, they have that kind of, like, comedic timing and chemistry. They got that energy. It's a, it's kind of a similar, a similar vibe. Um, like, like, the Three Stooges, if they were, if they were witches, you know, um, I'm trying to think the other other things of this movie, uh, but like the production values, I thought, especially with the beginning of the movie, well, like with the flashback, like prologue, is really good. Like the like I thought a lot of the lighting choices and just like even looking at like you know when they look at the glass, like the glass like looks green and you have like the some of like the floorboards are like on really neat colors. It's just really vibrant um, in the beginning of the movie, you know, um, just. I think really well well done. I really love the scene. I really love the shot actually when um they turn uh Thackeray Binks into the cat and like the camera is going down and like it's getting more and more like looking up at them and they're doing that like that that's actually a really cool shot. I always liked that shot. It's a decently it's a pretty decently put together, you know, opening um opening sequence. Um the, oh, we you know what we got to mention too is Doug Jones. Oh my God! Listen, Doug Jones, the master of of the modern master of movie makeup, um, having played so many amazing, iconic uh, monsters in cinema, um, particularly a few with Guillermo del Toro, um, pretty much all of his most iconic, like the Fawn in Pan's Labyrinth or the Amphibian Man in Shape of Water, um, Abe Sapien. Um, the pretty much all the ghosts in Crimson Peak. Oh my God! Like the list, the list goes on, and it's funny to think. And what it was funny too, like a while ago when I revisited this movie, I completely forgot he was in it, and I was like, Oh my God! Oh my God! Doug Jones, that's so cool. I didn't like I because I didn't know who he was when I first watched the movie when I was a kid. Um, growing up with it uh, I, I didn't put that together but it makes me love that so much more and he's so good in the movie yeah you know what I also liked too was that he actually gets dialogue and Doug, Doug Jones doesn't always get that with his, his roles you know because right. sometimes he'll be like dubbed by another person like in, in Pan's Labyrinth you know he when he plays like the pale man and the fawn the fawn I believe is like a, Sp- a Spanish actor uh, or some somebody else dubbing him in that movie. It's it's like it, at the very least, it's like in um, Hellboy two because like in Hellboy one, uh, there was a different actor completely. But at least in Hellboy two, he got to speak his own line, so that was nice. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you know what? We do have to mention, because like we were saying, this is a cultural phenomenon. Um, you know, this, uh, this you'll see the Sanderson sisters at like pretty much every Disney store. Um, they have live shows. They have all types of merch. And it's funny to think that um, it's all it all stems to the fact that the film is directed by someone who would later on go on in his career to make at least one other cultural phenomenon for uh, the next generation of kids, and that is Mr. Kenny Ortega. Yeah, when you the craziest thing was I, I didn't know that he directed High School Musical. Yeah, you did. You, did you not know that really? No, I didn't know that until you brought it up. Oh wow! No, yeah, he mm-hmm. um, he directed High School Musical. Um, I, I know he directed, he, he directed all the high school musicals basically. And a few other like music, like pretty much if it's a musical that was on Disney channel, somehow he was attached to it. I think he also did, uh, I think it was like a live action Michael Jackson, like concert movie or something. And, um, the last thing he did that I can think of was, um, do you remember a couple years ago when they remade Rocky Horror Picture Show on Fox? He directed that one as well. So that was his second time doing like a, like a spooky thing that was also incredibly horny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess guess you're just like, you know what? Uh, might as well get him. I I wouldn't immediately say Kenny Ortega is like one of my all time favorite directors, but you can't deny that this dude defined so many kids, like, generations with, like, his High School Musical movies or um, with Hocus Pocus. I mean, Hocus Pocus, not outright, but High School Musical obviously was more outright. With that added bonus, I guess, of being, like, the first musical on Disney Channel or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, like, we talked about uh, Nicholas Rogue with the first movie, how he's, like, this, like, you know, incredibly, you know, talented direct. I mean, they're both talented, obviously, but, like, this incre- incredible auteur, you know, who's directed things like, you know, like Walkabout and some, and um, what was the other movie you were mentioning that he did? Man Who Fell From Earth, Don't Look Now. Man Who Fell, yeah, man, we'd even mentioned uh, that before, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then we have Kenny Ortega, where sometimes I just feel like you just need the right guy. And he has that, and he has that theater background too. Like, so, like he makes me think a little bit of... Joel Schumacher in a way where like with that theater background and so when you make when he makes his movies they're clearly more like stylistic and outlandish and um like looks like something that I could easily like it I to this day I am surprised there's no stage musical or something of Hocus Pocus you know I I think with Disney theatrical it's it's a trip I mean mounting a stage production I mean making any doing anything is expensive but mounting a stage production can be very expensive well yeah and Hocus Pocus, while it is a big thing, it would be an incredibly, like, it would it would be a limited run because it's a Halloween thing, specifically. That's why there's no, like, permanent attraction for Hocus Pocus. They just do you know, smaller scale things that can still draw in crowds, but, you know, you can't really have Hocus Pocus year-round, even though I'm sure there are definitely people out there who watch and consume this movie year-round. Oh, without a doubt. Like, it's... I mean, not even just the fact that it plays pretty much like every weekend or like every uh, every week or every weekend on um, Freeform or whatever it's called now um, during the month of October, but also just, you know, you got to think as well, this movie came out in 1993 and like myself, a lot of kids grew up with this movie and a lot of those kids are now 
adults, or in my case, adultish, <laughs> and um, like this movie is like ingrained into their DNA, and like to the point where, like, I still quote this movie with my sister every now and then whenever it comes up. Like uh, the the classic scene of Sarah Jessica Parker hopping up and down, going abak 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 until she gets smacked in the stomach by Bette Midler. <laughs> Like, which is, I see a gift for probably every day. <laughs> yeah, and I was, like, saying before, too, like, you know, are people our age? What are they doing? They're on social media, and they're on a bunch of Disney pages. You know how many times, how many times I've seen, like, fan-made Hocus Pocus posters for, like, this, like the sequel that are definitely not official posters or official marketing from Disney, but people still share them, or all the memes where it's like, I am come! Oh, my God. Oh my god, I see those freaking posters all the time. There's this one poster that's so like it's like it's so basic, honestly. <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's so basic. Um where it's like Bette Midler as Winifred Sanderson in the middle and she's like on she's in the middle of like a city street corner with like really basic lettering. It says Hocus Pocus 2. Like like not whoever edited that not to knock the work cuz it was like well put together, but for a movie that's supposed to be so theatrical and so like outlandish, that's the best you could do is make the Inception poster. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, I hate to be rude, but come on, dude or dudette, whoever you are, I don't care. Just listen. But that's not to say that there isn't a sequel coming because, from what I've heard, um, there is going to be a Disney Plus sequel. With, I believe, with the original cast. I, I could be wrong, but I've heard that they're making it. I mean, listen, listen. If you, It's one of those things where I would not want to see a remake of this, you know, and I don't... Oh, no. I, hell no. I, it wouldn't... I, 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 the sequel of it for this, I, I would be, like, a little cautious, but at the same time, if you're going to do it, you might as well get those, th like, the, those, three, those three ladies, because, like, who else are you going to get, honestly? It would be so hard if they did a remake to see who else could be. I mean, they try. They've they've tried in many remakes to try and have someone fill those shoes. Like I think of uh, I think of Chucky, which funny enough is uh, another movie uh, that is from the same producer as Hocus Pocus. Um, you know, Brad Dorif iconically plays that character. Even if it's a vocal performance, but he but he still plays that character. And they did the uh, remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it, uh, a couple years ago, I believe. And um, they got Mark Hamill. And the thing is, if it was just a straight-up same adaptation, it would have felt so weird. But at least they made it somewhat different. So mm. it wasn't entirely the same thing. Okay. So I would, I would recommend with Hocus Pocus, if you decided to tackle the material again you'd have to do something incredibly different because if you just do the same thing with new actors, then it's just going to, it's not going to be great. I would say, I do think they, they wrote a book that was like a sequel. Okay. I remember, I remember like a, like a little while ago, there was like a, there was like a sequel book and it was like heavily advertised. And so many people were like, Oh my God, it's a sequel. Then they said it was a book. They were like, Oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, why is, why is it not a movie? You know, it's one of those things too where it's like 
you know, I mean, I don't know when they're going to make they're going to make this, but with a book, at least you can like when you read a book, you can just imagine the characters as they were back in 1993. Because the, your three ladies are lovely ladies, but they're also they're also getting older, you know, which could work with the witches, but but again, you don't want to wait too too long to to make it, you know, in in certain respects. I don't want to sound right. like pessimistic about it, but that's like the trouble with with some legacy legacy sequels sometimes where i hear people it's like especially with like indiana jones 4 where you see harrison ford coming back and you're just like really <laughs> oh wow you know oh, wow i mean i still Dating i still tombs and and teaching and teaching college courses has aged him <laughs> but like and, and again i still watch these things and whatever but it's just it, it is something to think about when you're when you're making like these legacy sequels Especially when the whole plot is them trying to look younger. Yeah. And so, I mean, it just... It's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do, especially considering Bette Medler and Kathleen and Jimmy are in their 70s. Whereas, I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker's in her mid-50s, I believe. So yeah. maybe you can get away with something there. But, you know, they are a little bit older now. But either way, you couldn't do it without them because... Older, young, it doesn't matter. They're the Sanderson sisters, and it'll just be amazing to see them like chew up the scenery and smack each other around again. And and actually, I was looking on the the Wikipedia page for Hocus Pocus, and they showed um, they showed Bette Midler at like a at like a concert or something dressed up as uh, as Winnie. I saw that, and it yeah. actually looked it looks it looked pretty good. So I I think you know what, and it was a couple years ago, but like you could it could still make it work. I, I don't mean to sound negative. It's just like no, I get you. Th- you inevitably have to think about these things, you know, um, with with, with movies. Yeah, it, it just is really interesting to see these two movies in comparison, just like back to back, because like the the different approaches to like the material of the witches and. They they have like a similar a similar ish scheme when you think about it. You know, one wants to, you know, they want to get absorb the children's souls. The other one wants to, Completely you know, remove them, turn them into mice and kill them. <laughs> but a, a similar ish ideas. Yeah, even just the openings of the two movies are like tracking shots. You know, with with Hocus Pocus, it's more clear that it's a witch on a broom and she's like flying through Salem or whatever. But um in uh Nick in uh Nicholas Rogue's movie, it's just more like sped up shots like going through mountains, so we don't really know like witches are traveling or anything. But it's still interesting that the two movies start off that way. Mm. Even just the fact that both movies feature children being turned into animals. Yeah. Whereas um sadly being a cat is not as fun as being a mouse, apparently. <laughs> it's just like I'm a cat. Uh and then, then the kids are like, well, you know, we're by so well. <laughs> it's cool. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it is. It's I, I, The other thing I was thinking about with this movie, though, was that it's a Disney movie. But I was talking about, like, the cr- like sort of the crudeness of it. So it, I was thinking about, like, Nightmare Before Christmas because that was, like, a touchstone movie. Yeah. And, and also another Halloween phenomenon kind of thing. Another another big deal for for Disney but now only now has Disney like explicitly labeled that movie as a Di- like as a Disney movie you know but with it with this it was just like always labeled the Disney movie which um which I do find is is kind of interesting to think about especially with 
the the characters and some of the situations that are in this movie. Like like you have like Doug Jones like ah go Doug Jones saying ah go to hell and Bette Midler's like I I've been there it's, it's quite lovely. <laughs> oh man, um or like 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 the innuendos or even just um anytime Sarah Jessica Parker does anything <laughs> in the movie really pretty um, pretty much yo I like. Like, in all honesty, like, she was one of those, her and then, like, probably um, Vanessa Shaw, who plays Allison, were, like, crushes for a lot of 90s kids, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Myself included. I'm not going to lie about that. Right. You know, when you see an overly affectionate blonde uh, uh, with an ample bust, (laughs) like, going around, like, dancing and being, like, I mean, regardless of the fact that, you know, I was probably, like, six or seven when I saw that, I was like, she pretty. She pretty lady. She pretty lady, but of course she's a witch, so I gotta be like. But Allison, though, but you know, but Max's girlfriend. Come on. Oh, which there's a scene, mind you, in this movie because you mentioned your girlfriend earlier. Um, I'm gonna say this because it's just funny to me. But there's a scene where where Max. <laughs> I gotta be. I gotta be uh, Thora Birch here to your Max for a second, where um uh Max gets home and he like cuddles a pillow and he goes oh Allison you're so soft (laughs) I just want and I'm like Joey do you do that (laughs) I'm so sorry I I can only imagine what's going through Allison's head right now she's listening to this podcast oh (laughs) (laughs) well you know what she is so I do apologize if if I've if I've upset you Allison because you are our true number one fan and so I I I appreciate you and your enjoyment of this podcast. If you know, you know, I was, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, you know, who would probably watch this movie year round is Brian from Idaho. I don't know. I feel like you would just jo- watch Joey. it. Jo- yeah. jo- Joey, 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 can we, mm. can we, can we just, can we just not right now with with him? All right, all right. Well, it's just, it's just, just move on. Seriously, I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to talk about that. Well, I'm going to talk about myself for a minute and just say I was you selfish. Yeah, I, I was. Gl- <laughs> I was really glad to watch both of these movies. I'm glad we decided to shift the double feature this week to these two because these are movies I haven't seen in like over a decade, and they are. I think they hold up. You know, witches holds up like well, unironically. Whereas Hocus Pocus is like, I get enjoyment out of like the 90s stuff, but also like there are some genuinely good things in Hocus Pocus, Mm -hmm. you know, so I guess it all kind of evens out because one is just like, oh, it's legit, it's legitimately like, oh, this is well crafted. The other one's just like a relic of the 90s, but also has some like really just funny things in it. (laughs) No, but these, these, um, these were like a great starting off point for like this kind of bunch of horror Halloween type movies that we'll be talking about um, because there's just some movies that you just can't not watch during this month. And one of those is definitely Hocus Pocus. Um, and for me, definitely the witches. I mean, both of these movies are movies that I grew up with, you know, Hocus Pocus, especially, um, you know, watching it pretty much every Halloween with my sister by myself. It didn't matter. Like I just, I loved it. It's, um, I, I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to be like Max just because uh, visually speaking, I thought he looked cool. Now I look at him. I'm like, he's so nineties. He's got the haircut, the tie dye, <laughs> just everything about it. Um, 
and uh and also just even like that moment where i realized doug jones is in it after having like fallen in love with him as as a performer it really makes me appreciate it more so and then with the witches like that was a movie that that movie recently got released on blu-ray thank you warner brothers for doing something good for once by releasing this on blu-ray because i was so excited to get it my dog is barking i apologize um <laughs> i was so excited to get this movie finally and watch it on blu-ray because it's one of those movies like um like beetlejuice for example that you know i remember watching bits and pieces of um when i was a kid and then watching it in in its entirety every now and then um so it was nice to like have that like to revisit that movie again and really fall in love with it all over again so um if there's any two movies that are worth starting off like a like a a spooky Halloween trend. It's definitely the witches in Hocus Pocus. Yeah, definitely, definitely a really good pairing. I think this is also, I just think, as a double feature pairing, just really one of the ones that we've done so far that really just makes a whole lot of sense. Definitely glad to revisit these films. Folks, what are some of your favorite Halloween movies? What are some Halloween traditions? What are some staples? What are some, like, what are some Halloween movies that you just watch any time of the year please let us know on our social media as always uh thank you for listening to our program check you guys out next week have a good night everyone happy halloween Twas the show you heard that reached its end but thou must first comprehend instagram twitter and facebook pages that are worth taking a look. Kenny and John, the Armstrongs of old, making sweet music as the ancients foretold. Doppelgangers, the next show's theme. One double feature that's sure to make you scream.